You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. And before we get started, I want to let you know just how freaking much we love all of you. I just want to let you know that because it's one in the morning and I should be sleeping and the NBA should never start a stupid game at 830. But they did that. Um, and we're just going to we're going to power through. Um, I might fall asleep during the recording of this, but that's okay. Um, we will we will find a way to get through it. I also want to remind you that this episode is going to be brought to you by Vivid Seats. Use the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to get $20 off a $200 or more purchase at Vivid Seats. So head over there and do that today. You can find them on the App Store or Google Play uh, to head over to Vivid Seats. Frank, how are you doing tonight? Uh, so... One of the um, customs we adhere to is uh, we use a program called Zencaster to record these podcasts now, and uh, you can input your name uh, when you enter the little web page. And <laughs> I like to pick random, uh, you know, names to to input. They're here. typically pretty good. Yeah, to be fair. I feel they're, like I'm starting. They're pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I I, I probably peaked with Delaware Dova, um, and it's <laughs> it's been hard kind of maintaining a level, but. Tonight, uh, I I opted for uh, a sleepo kumbo, a sleepo kumbo, um, <laughs> because yeah, it's it's late. Um, but you know what? We were texting during the game, and you said, "Do you really want to go tonight?" I can, you know, you could record by yourself. And I said, "Bucks win this game. Screw it, man. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. National TV. Bucks staying undefeated against a team that are, you know, I mean, not like arch rivals, but." This is a rival of the Bucks. I mean, this is a, another team that has big designs on the Eastern Conference, and obviously their timeline and the age of their young players is, you know, right, kind of in line with Giannis. So um, being able to go out and and handle the Philadelphia 76ers, I don't want to say easily, but, you yeah. know, they were in control of this game really from probably, what, the second yep. quarter, I guess. They took, took control of the game, um, you know, dug themselves a hole and end up, you know, really – I think the closest the game got in the second half was eight points. I want to say is yep. that is that right? Something on that order. A couple times, yep. Um, they end up winning one. Yeah, they end up winning one twenty three one oh eight. Not too much drama. Giannis monster triple double numbers. A lot of guys stepping up. Brook Lopez really um, showing his value against uh, Joel Embiid and and a Sixer team that obviously had very high ambitions. But so far, um, you know, the Bucks staying perfect and the Sixers. Uh, showing some, you know, some some signs that uh, they may not be as good as the team that, especially at the end of the last regular season, really went gangbusters. And um, obviously, I'd say probably the, you know, 
certainly the most uh, satisfying win of the season so far, only four games in. Um, but I don't know if I'd call it a statement game, but certainly a, a game that, um, again, sort of reiterated that this is a different Bucks team and they're they're going to keep playing the way they've been playing. And obviously the results uh, speak for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I kind of said this last night, but is it a big game? Is it not a big game? This is going to count the same in the tiebreaker as their other ones against the Sixers. So, like, I do think this is big. I do think this is important. And um, I think this is... Uh, a statement win? I think, yeah. I think this is a statement win. Like to, On national TV, to beat a team that I think almost everyone puts ahead of you in the Eastern Conference. Like I, I don't know many people out there that are like, oh yeah, the Bucks are better than the Sixers. Like I think a lot of people put the Sixers above the Bucks, and some people even put the Sixers in the same category as the Celtics and Raptors, which is crazy. Um, but some people do that. And the Bucks kind of went out and beat them comfortably. Like they they were six point favorites and uh, they almost doubled that up or they, excuse me they did double it up they won by fifteen so like this is uh, to me it is a statement win which again like I said is is a weird thing to say uh, just four games into the season but I thought this was a big win for the Bucks it, it kind of in many ways kind of announces their arrival and, and kind of lets people know exactly how good this team might be if they happen to be uh, sleeping on the Bucks a little bit. And I guess uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. I think a, a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, hopefully I don't fall asleep during all that. But um, I think it's pretty much all stuff that that we touched on with Giannis in the post game, And we can kind of go through some of it. But I, I, <laughs> I asked this question to Giannis, even though I already knew the answer. I told him that before I asked it. I said, you know, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but you know, as Brooke misses his first four threes of the game, like, what are you guys trying to say to him? Like, what are you trying to let him know? And he just like looked at me and he didn't quite roll his eyes, but he certainly like, let me know, like, come on, Eric, like I told him to keep shooting. Um, and like, that was, that was pretty much what it was. But I mean, that's a huge storyline to me is that you're missing all these threes. You go down 12 in the first quarter and it's another one of those moments where it's like, is this really going to work? Like, is this really a good idea? And then Brooke Lopez just starts raining threes on the Sixers and everything that you've, you've kind of preached is there and you're thinking, yeah, like this is this is what you want from from your center spot to you know really stretch the floor out, bring Joel Embiid out, and make him cover Lopez. And and you could see Embiid getting frustrated by the end of it. Like the last couple threes uh, that Lopez hits in that second quarter, like he's all the way jumping out on Lopez, like all the way out there trying to chase him down last second and really contest shots. And uh, I just think it, it kind of spoke to just how important Brooke Lopez could be. And then uh, the other thing is uh, like, we kind of went down that road a little bit further and Giannis said that during the national anthem, he was, he was kind of just like thinking and like looking over to the Sixers. And he said, he, he thought to himself, man, how did we cover Embiid last year? Like, I don't even remember how we tried to do it. And he's like, and then this year he's like, I just remember thinking like, thank God we have Brooke. Like, we're just going to put Brooke on him and Brooke's going to make him work. And Brooke is really good. Like, he's going to give him like a physical game that he has to try to find his way through. And I just think we, we talked about it at the time and how good the Brooke Lopez signing was and 
we we've kind of gone over it again and again but you know by the end of this year like if this keeps up if rook lopez and his insane three-point attempt rate and the way that he opens up the floor for Giannis keeps up like he might be the best free agent signing of the summer it's funny to think about but uh especially against a team like the sixers i mean lopez is in many ways and we talked about it yesterday in the preview that Brooks kind of the best antidote for a guy like Joel Embiid because obviously he's again physically huge and can at least keep him honest, um, you know, defensively. Uh, and I mean, look at it. I mean, Joel scores thirty points tonight, but shoots nine out of twenty-four, uh, thirteen free throws. So certainly not an efficient scoring night from him. He had to put up a lot of shots to get there. Um, and you know, Lopez um, himself scoring twenty-one points on thirteen shots. Um, you know, certainly did did everything that you could have asked for him offensively. Cause as you said, I mean, Embiid wasn't paying attention to really him early and he kept shooting and, you know, really gave them something to think about. And, um, you know, when that three point flurry started, um, it really kind of turned the game around and obviously him shooting those threes was, was crucial. Um, you know, him and Giannis to uh, combined, um, really did a, a, you know, they were kind of the key to, to kind of turning, I think it was, um, and I, I should, uh, let me just, let me just dig this up real quick, but, um, our, uh, friend of the pod Shafty bro, uh, chronicled the start of the second quarter. It was bucks were down 34, 24. Then you get a Giannis dunk, Giannis assist for a three, Giannis and one Giannis assist for a three, Giannis with a steal and a windmill dunk, Giannis assist for three, Bledsoe with a drive and a foul. Giannis assists for three. Giannis assists for three. He had seven points and five assists in four and a half minutes. Um, so that really turned the game out. So it basically went from 30, yep. to, down 34-24 to leading 46-42. So a 22 to, uh, I guess, uh, eight run just snapped off in, in four and a half minutes to really turn the game. And, um, you know, second half again, like really wasn't, uh, you know, that dramatic other than a couple semi-nervous moments but um but yeah i mean lopez being that safety valve on the outside it's not just that he is shooting those threes but again i mean he's a a big man who is defending big guys on one end and then dragging that big guy out onto the perimeter on the other side and you know what that means for for Giannis and Bloodstone in particular is, is obviously huge so anyway we should point out too i mean in, in defense of the sixers they played an overtime game last night simmons did not play due to a back injury so he was coming back from the back injury obviously he was i guess better rested so you know we we, we have no idea obviously how um you know much that might have affected him um, but I thought the Bucks just in general, I mean, we don't want to bury lead. I mean, I think it's easy to, to obviously always focus on the Bucks and their kind of new offensive style. Um, but you look at the advanced numbers. I mean, this was a crazy fast paced game, 112 possessions, um, per my, uh, little, uh, ESPN box score plugin that, that I usually use. Um, so again, it doesn't match up exactly to like what you'd find on NBA.com, but, that I can tell you that is a crazy fast number relative to what we usually see. And overall, I mean, Bucks offensive rating one ten. That's that's worse than they usually than they usually do this season. That that'll drag down their average. Um, but defensively, a ninety six point four rating. Um, that's obviously great. If you can do that, uh, you know, if, the, if this Bucks team holds teams to, to hold another team to ninety six point four in terms of the, their defensive rating, then you're going to feel pretty pretty confident that the Bucks can score enough points to 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 win that kind of game. And tonight, you know, you look at the Sixers. Um, 
you know, they, they turned it over a bit. We, we saw last year in particular in that crazy game where the Bucks came back twice. I think they had like 25 turnovers, something like that. And that's been something that has plagued them uh, over the past year. Tonight, 16 turnovers, not a crazy number. Um, but, you know, you just kind of look at all the different categories and the Bucks outscored them by 10 in the paint. Bucks were uh, hit, hit two more threes in them, so they weren't. There wasn't, a, you know, a big, big, big advantage there. Um, Bucks also shot same number of free throws, but they made seven more. Twenty out of thirty. That was obviously very nice. Giannis um, making me breathe easier with an eight for nine performance from the free throw line, um, and then defensive rebounding. I mean, the Bucks have been a top ten team both offensive and defensive rebounding this year which is not something we were expecting to say. Um, and tonight, 86% defensive rebound rate. That's terrific. Um, you know, Embiid and Simmons each had three offensive rebounds. The rest of the team combined for one. Um, so the Bucks did a really good job of, of not giving up second chance points. And, you know, you look at the fast break, 25 to 10 advantage. Um, you know, Giannis and Simmons, obviously a great sort of fast break matchup. Um, Simmons, obviously more of a creator. On the break, they do a tremendous. She obviously does a tremendous job of, of attracting attention and setting other guys up. Giannis obviously can do the same and is even more lethal as a finisher. Um, but tonight, obviously, the Bucks um, getting more done in transition as well. And um, you know, not surprising that the Sixers maybe would start better and then fade, given that they played last night. Um, but also, big credit to the Bucks. I mean, they come out not looking good, kind of like a little bit like the Indiana game with a slow start, but it kind of lasted longer. Uh, they're down 34-22 after one quarter, and they explode for 49 points in the second quarter, most points ever scored by a Bucks team in a second quarter, and, you know, ho-hum, another 71-point first half. But again, don't lose sight of that defense. They are right now, at last I checked, they were uh, like fifth in offense and fifth in defense um, when I did the quick check of the media stats uh, NBA.com site. Um, after the game. So um, again, doing it on both ends right now, even if the offense is getting most of the attention. Yeah. And it's really kind of interesting to think about this Sixers team because I mean, they're just a a weird kind of grouping of players and I don't, I mean, they're like kind of young, but also they're like, I don't know. Like I just, and they're very confusing to me because I don't, feel that Simmons and Embiid are a perfect pair. Um, I think there's, you know, maybe some awkwardness there. Um, then like Dario Saric, like, is he, uh, like a, a, a top five, like rotation guy, like, or is he like a bench guy? Like, I don't know what he is. Uh, Covington does a lot of nice things, but ultimately like maybe doesn't do enough. And then Markel Fultz is a disaster. And then JJ Reddick comes in and runs off a bunch of hands off, runs off a bunch of handoffs and is really awesome. But then like Mike Muscala, like the drop off from Ursani Silva to Mike Muscala is significant. And I, I don't know if I would have said that uh, before the season. And like, I just look at the six team and it's like, okay, it's Embiid and Simmons. And the nice thing about both of them is you don't really have to cover them out of the three point line. So you can just pack it in. Uh, you got to make sure you get back in transition D and then you just kind of go and, and handle it. And I, 
I don't I don't know what the Sixers team is. I don't know what the future holds for him, but I'm definitely interested uh, to figure out what it is because I think there's some some mismatched pieces in all of that, and uh, I'm I'm very curious to see kind of where it goes uh, from here. So. Some of the other stuff I wanted to talk about uh, from post game with Giannis. Yeah, can uh, I can I just make a, just say a couple but before we get in that, but just on the Sixers fit stuff, I think it's a really great point. It's a big question. There's kind of like the there's been kind of this general like question floating around, which I thought was interesting of Embiid and Simmons and like whether they like each other, whether they like playing each other, which is kind of like interesting. I don't know. Like it wouldn't be obvious for me to question it too much, um, but. You know, those two guys, I mean, I think individually, they both have superstar talent, top 10, 15 type, type talent. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think Covington fits really well. Covington is super malleable. Like when you talk about like guys who would who travel well, who could just fit in kind of with most teams. Covington and Redick, I think, fit really well just because, you know, they're shooting and, and Covington, obviously, his defense um, in particular, you know, and, and versatility is, is something that fits well. But yeah, I think the rest of the team, it's just weird, right? I mean, Sar- I'm shocked that the Sarich, Simmons, Embiid lineup last year was just incredibly good, just because I feel like they're all like forwards. I mean, Simmons obviously is a, a primary ball handler as well, but um, the fact that you're using, you know, one of those guys at all times to really defend a small forward just doesn't seem like as, as optimal as possible. Um, so I thought like a year ago, I thought like, well, they should try to trade Sarich and cash in, you know, coming off his kind of promising rookie season. And obviously they hung on to him. Fascinated to see what he gets paid. Right. Um, just because I, as you said, I mean, I think he seems like they can, it seems like they've made it work at times, obviously last year with him starting, um, but you then also throw in like Fultz and I mean, the Sixers have three, there's three guys who like bring the ball up the court most, right? Simmons, TJ McConnell and Fultz, like all of them are guys who are like deathly afraid of shooting threes and that teams are just daring to shoot three threes. And I, I just don't know how, I mean, if you can coax a like top 10 offense, top, you know, like an offense like befitting of having Embiid and Simmons out of that combination, I'd be surprised, right? Just because it's like in this day and age, um, that's just tough. Uh, it just feels like you got to have more shooting around uh, Embiid and Simmons. And um, I don't know. It's just strange. So strange, like watching these guys play because it's like, you know, like we think about like the way the Bucks had to defend like the Hornets, right? And Kemba Walker. I mean, this is just, there, there is nothing like that against a team like the Sixers. It's like playing a different sport defensively almost because you're just trying to wall off Simmons, but you're backing way off him. And, you know, McConnell and Fultz are also kind of daring to shoot. It, it's just a, it's just so different. And um, I think we saw tonight, you know, the Bucks match up very well with the Sixers. We'll, we'll see how they match up with the Raptors and Celtics down the road um, in terms of those top teams in the East. But I think certainly uh, Philadelphia is a team that, right now is is not that scary because it's just you know reddick obviously is scary he's a ridiculous shot maker um and covington can obviously play well but he was bad in the playoffs last year he wasn't very good tonight and so you're just piling so much pressure on him being simmons yeah and uh, i mean uh, i i think why it's kind of important is 
hundred percent. We don't really know what they look like against the Raptors uh, or the Celtics. But you know, if you look like this against the Sixers, then you kind of think about everyone in like the bottom half of the playoff race in the East. Like, I think you can feel pretty confident against all of those teams, which I mean, doesn't help, you know, when, uh, if you win in the, if you win in the first round in your three, six game, and then you, you have your two, three game and you have one of the Celtics and Raptors. I mean, obviously that doesn't help you, but you know, like there, there is some, at least in my mind, some thought that you can feel pretty confident that this Bucks team is three in the East. And, you know, that makes kind of just, I, Especially with Lopez, because Lopez might be a guy that those other teams can play off the floor, but I don't think any team four through whatever in the East can really totally do that. Like the Hornets did a little bit, but I don't think they can play the whole game like that. Like I just think you you can look up and down the Eastern Conference and feel pretty confident with this Bucks roster, and uh, that's kind of one of my takeaways from the night. Um, all right, let's hop back into Giannis stuff. During the fourth quarter, you tweeted something out about Giannis being gassed. I totally disagreed with it. I did not think that he looked gassed in any way. Um, my eyes were wrong. After the game, I asked Giannis if he was gassed in the second half because of you know the new play, the pace that they play at, and uh, he said that he was. He said, "Yeah, we play fast. I'm going to get used to it. I was a little bit out of breath, but I got to get in shape." So, um, yeah, uh, you, well done, Frank. Uh, I know our friend Kurt Leidner, friend of the show, uh, tweeted out in response to that, like. It's strange the how differently you see the game, even though you're watching the same game in two different mediums, like what you can pick up on TV, what you pick up uh, at the game. But yeah, I, at no point did I think Giannis looked gassed. Like I just thought he looked out of sorts and looked like he has for much of this year where he's like not really sure where his spots are and when to attack and when not to attack. And th- that was more what it looked like to me. Um, and I mean, it's ironic considering he had a, a 32.18 rebound triple double but we've, like, we've barely talked about it like this is just the level of Giannis, right he he puts up like a number like how many times I, I you could go on basketball reference and i'm i'm curious how many times in the last you know 30 years has somebody put up a 32 18 10 three block two steal night right and not gonna be many not many and we're like just like yeah, you know, he looked tired and only shot 50% and, you know, just, uh, yeah. But I mean, that's, that's the, that's the ridiculous kind of standard that Giannis has set. And my, so I was, I was really surprised that you disagreed because like what I was seeing was he was walking up the court. It was probably like three things, right? He was, he seemed like he was just like, like literally just walking up the court. Like I walk down the hallway to the bathroom at work faster than it seemed like Giannis was watching when they were bringing the ball up. And then um, he took a number of jumpers and they were all really short. And I just remember having this feeling like Giannis don't shoot jumpers right now because you have no legs. Like it just seemed like he just was not going to have any legs to take shots. And and see why I think that one's strange is because that suggests that you have some confidence in his jumper. Like that, that could be to me, that was just like, well, I mean, he misses jumpers. Like that's kind of a thing that he does. Yeah. But it's Um, not like he always misses them short, right? Like he misses them all over the place typically. Sure. But Um, you could have a randomness that would put five short ones together. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And then the main thing was like literally every stoppage he's doubled over with his hands on his knees, breathing heavily. Like 
I mean, it just seemed like he needed he needed rest. And it, I, I thought it was interesting because Budenholzer got him two separate shorter blows in the fourth quarter, and I think timed it really well because basically he brought him out a little bit ahead of the the normal timeouts that you get, and so he was able to kind of get him, you know, maybe not a lot of rest per like the game clock, but in terms of like actual time being able to be on the bench between the commercials and the the actual time that he missed in the game. Um, it, it seemed like a pretty smart way to get him like a f- couple of quick blows uh, without needing to just like, you know, rest him for like five minutes of game game action. So you really, I think you only missed like, I don't know, like two or three minutes of game action or something like that in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they, they took him out at like 3.30 and he was back in at 2.39, I think it was. Uh, so like he had missed 50 seconds of game action, but in reality he had been, uh, and I think there was like a foul or two in there. So he probably got like, three or four minutes of rest on the bench, which I mean, that's just, that's just a, a killer. That's killer clock management that, you know, you can get them a blow in that situation and uh, you, you're still able to close out the game. And uh, it, it's funny thinking through all of this because like I, I one, I didn't think he was tired and he said that he was. And then, the reason I didn't think so is because, you know, I thought he, he's still kind of out of sorts, like trying to figure out what exactly he should be doing. And I, I asked a question like that because the last home game on Monday, it said that he is still trying to figure out some of those things. And he said that, yeah, like this is, it's going to be a process. Like this is going to take a while. This is going to happen overnight. And, you know, like I am still trying to figure out exactly where those are. And then he ended that by saying, I feel like so far I've been playing B basketball as in the grade B Um, B basketball. I think I can be way better. I can help my teammates find open shots even more. And I'm going to keep trying to get better and try to take and try to make my teammates better. And this is the dude that's averaging 29.2 points per game, 15.6 rebounds per game and 7.4 assists per game. And just slapped up a 32.18 rebound 10 assist game. Like that's, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about Giannis Adetokounmpo at this point. And like, it's just kind of ridiculous that, you know, we feel, we feel the need that, you know, like we kind of talked about Brooke Lopez and how important that he is to all of the proceedings. And really it's like, it's Giannis, man. Like he, he's just incredible. Um, and he's so incredible that you have to go out to a game and see them. And the best way to do so is by using Vivid Seats. Obviously, they're the an app that has been supporting us now for a couple of weeks. And you can use our promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, to get $20 off or on a $200 or more purchase at Vivid Seats. And it's going to help you find the best seats, figure out exactly where they are, and make sure that you're in the building to watch Giannis in person because it is absolutely incredible and i guess just when you think through everything that Giannis does in the game like you, you mentioned that stretch in the second quarter and like he can just kind of he can just kind of assert his will like just when he wants to and you know that Knicks game the other night we didn't think he played particularly well but at the start of the fourth quarter what he rattle off like nine straight points and uh like he's just all over the floor and uh even in that that stretch that you had mentioned Dante DiVincenzo I think might have stole a rebound at some point and like Matt Flaskas and I both looked at each other like 
I mean, that's just Dante doing things because that's what Dante does. He just jumps around and does stuff. But it is like, what's he doing? Like, that's Giannis's rebound. Like, And we're just at a spot where, okay, 18 rebounds. Sure, that's a thing that Giannis can do. And, oh, 10 assists. Yeah, that's a thing that Giannis can do. And like, everything is just kind of built around his brilliance and everything just makes sense this season that, you know, when something goes wrong, it's not, it's not necessarily it's not necessarily that you don't want to blame Giannis. It's just that you know that the system was in some way broken. And it was another thing that Giannis brought up in postgame. Uh, second quarter, he does one of his I'm driving jump passes, and he's on the left side. He throws it to the opposite wing to the to the right wing. And for some reason, Malcolm Brogdon was cutting. And I just remember thinking to myself, and I tweeted out, I was like, what on earth is he doing? Like, they know where the boxes are. Like, you know where the blue squares are. That's where you sit. And the reason why we've been able to see uh, Eric Bledsoe, we've been able to see Giannis, even we've been able to see Chris Middleton get in the air and throw passes because they know that they can throw to those spots somewhat blindly. And when we asked Giannis after the game, Matt Velasquez asked him, did you know Tony was there? And I, the question he was always asking was on that 10th assist, did you know Tony was there? Because Giannis got up in the air and tossed it over his head and Tony Snell hits this corner three. And he said, yeah. And before he kept going, I like butted in. I was like, are you lying? Uh, and he said, no, no, no. Like I knew. And he brought up that in the second quarter, he had told Malcolm like, you got to stay in those spots. Like don't leave that spot because at this point, how we're set up, I know that if I get in trouble, there's a couple spots I can throw to and I, I can look like he, he can obviously just look more generally like, okay, there's a Jersey there. I can throw there. There's not a defender there. I can throw there. And he, he doesn't necessarily have to know who it is exactly, but he will know that someone will be there. And then all of a sudden like that play, uh, that mistake, that turnover set the scene for his 10th assist of the night for him to get the triple-double where he said, Tony totally bailed me out. Like uh, I I threw to it blindly, but I knew that he would be there because we'd been over so many times that you have to be there. And we went over it again in the second quarter. Like you have to be in those spots. And like, I just think the Bucks are in this spot where everything makes total sense for Giannis that even in the moments where he is out of sorts, even in, in the moments where he's not totally a hundred percent right on something, he's going to look good because everything makes sense. And uh, I just thought that that was another example of it. And uh, it was almost fitting that it, it was a pass where he threw blind to a spot in the right corner where he knew a shooter was going to be because the system is so good and built around him and makes so much sense for him. Yeah, you, I mean, different, certainly very different types of plays, but um, that pass to Tony reminded me of the pass Giannis had. Shot play. Yeah, in Toronto last year, what was the first game after the All-Star break? And I don't know if it was an overtime or, or right at the end of regulation, but I think it was an overtime where, you know, he basically like drives and kind of gets himself into a bad spot and ends up basically sort of like saving the ball to Jet in the corner for a three. Um and, and just kind of like underscores that when you have Giannis's combination of size, athleticism, court awareness, 
improvisation like you just kind of play by different rules than the rest of the human race and you can just do things that that (laughs) no one else really can do and you can do things that no coach would ever you know advise or teach you to do um so yeah that was uh that was a really fun play and nice to see um snell uh, actually knocked that one down <laughs> um yeah had that garbage time three at the end of the game too with the shot clock running down uh or three-pointer um so uh so yeah i mean it, it was fun i mean and it was interesting too because you know i, I know we we talked about Giannis's assists and um and his playmaking and how would that be leveraged um I want to, I was looking up, I remember reading, um, I think it was not last year, but the season before someone looked at three point corner, three point assists. And like LeBron was like by far the league leader. And I think, I want to say he averaged something like two per game, which isn't, doesn't seem like a ton, Mm -hmm. but like no one else was close. Like Harden was like at like a little over like one and a half or like, or not, not even one and a half. And I'm going to be really curious to see where Giannis ranks in that category this year. Um, I, I imagine, you know, a lot of teams are going to probably make more corner threes this year, but um, the Bucks are obviously like no team is, is doing, seeing a bigger jump than, than the Bucks. And so I'm going to be really curious to see how many of, of Giannis's assists are, are corner three assists specifically. Um, because again, like that's obviously a, an area the Bucks really emphasize. We talked yesterday about Eric Bledsoe taking many more corner threes this year than, than really he ever has before. Um, and obviously Brooke Lopez now, um, you know, and, and other guys, the, the big men, you know, running to those corners rather than, um, you know, in, in more big, normal big men sort of spots. So, um, so that was just really fun. And, and again, yeah, that, that second quarter in particular, I mean, it was a slow start from Giannis, um, but that second quarter in particular, you really got going. And one other thing too, like when you start Sarich, it really creates kind of a challenge for Philadelphia defensively against the Bucks because, you know, Giannis is your four, so Sarich nominally is kind of like the best, like like it's almost like Sarich should guard Giannis by default because you don't want Sarich guarding Middleton or a smaller guy, right? You don't want him guarding a center. Um, so it's kind of a weird, a weird position in terms of like, like who you have defending because I, I, I watched, I rewatched for the highlights, you know, Giannis didn't have a single basket with Simmons as being his primary defender. Like he did pretty much everything um, against a combination of Sarich, Covington, Muscala, who he just like murders. Like he sees Mike Muscala's on the court and he just yeah. like, you know, sees red, right? And just goes and just <laughs> just destroys poor Mike Muscala. Um, so it was interesting. But again, like part of the problem is it's just, it's, it's, it's easy to say, well, just go have, um, go have, uh, you know, Simmons guard, guard Giannis all the time. I think uh, our friend Kane Pittman had a quote from Simmons that, you know, he wanted to be guarding him. He thought he should have been guarding him all night. Um, and I think the probably the Sixers would have been much better off if that could have been the case. But again, like there are things you can do that, you know, make that a little bit harder. Um, and you can run screen and you know, pick and roll. You can do different things. Um, you know, the Bucks run that action where they, um, you know, basically set screens to get Giannis a post up and try to, make it harder to keep this primary defender on him. So lots of things the Bucks did. And, and obviously, you know, you rewatch the game tonight. They, they try to do things to, to basically make the Sixers not be able to just throw Ben Simmons uh, on him and have him defend him one-on-one. And um, I thought maybe the, the play that probably the play that I, I recall the most uh, among like non kind of just like highlight plays um, in, you know, not just like cool dunks, like Giannis's windmill on the break was really fun. You know, Giannis, 
that one hammer dunk he threw down um, in, in half court was really fun, but that was more of like a defensive breakdown. But the play that I thought was, was really like, just, it was a, it was actually an important play in the grand scheme of a game that, you know, didn't get that close, but um, I guess it was Bledsoe, right? From the left wing, they were running that action from Middleton where he kind of, you know, was that, was that the Hawk set that they, that they ran yeah, and they run was. like different variations? And, uh... I forget if, Jeff Siegel had broken that yeah. down uh, last week. If you haven't read that, I know I tweeted it out, and I think you tweeted it out as well. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of action where somehow, some way, they find they find a way to bring Middleton uh, along the baseline, and then set a double screen for him over on the right wing to bring him up so that he can kind of curl into a shot. Uh, and then typically, uh, we've seen it where he'll flare or he'll move off of it, and then Eric Bledsoe is always in charge and. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a great read by by Giannis. It was a great read by Bledsoe, but Giannis was part of the double screen to bring to bring Middleton up around for the for the three point shot, and he just slipped the screen because they were so focused on Middleton. Bledsoe tossed it to him, uh, really kind of threaded the needle, and he did it so well that after the game, I asked him if that was a call from Bud because like. They they were just so much on the same page and they were so well connected that it just felt like Bud might have been said in in the huddle like Hey we're gonna run this for Chris but they've been overplaying it they're gonna overplay it again Giannis you slip here we'll find it and Bud so said it wasn't that you know both of them just kind of made a little eye contact saw it and and threw it but yeah it was a huge play it was, I think it was one of the times that the Sixers had cut it down to eight uh, in the fourth quarter and. Yeah. Right out of that timeout, they get a bucket. Yeah, and uh, again, like you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a it's a well designed play when you know the the best player on the floor can kind of just be forgotten, right? <laughs> like yeah. like you know, you create so much movement and action, and you put the defense into like you know, kind of chaos. Like they're they're so worried about Middleton, who um, it's kind of funny. Like Middleton ended up, he didn't have a good raw shooting game. Six out of eighteen. Um, but hit three out of eight. I think he would, he had his first three threes. It seemed like then he went, yeah. went cold. Um, and that, so that he was part of like that really nice run in the first half. Um, but he goes <laughs> ten second 10 quarter. Line, so, yeah. Uh, he goes 10 for 10, but second quarter, uh, it, it's funny that you brought up like Giannis kind of taking over in that time. Middleton did the same. So first quarter, Giannis has five points, two rebounds, zero assists at the half. Giannis has 20 points, nine rebounds in six assists. So if you're just doing some simple math there, that's 15 points, seven rebounds, and six assists in the second quarter. Middleton, seven points in the first quarter, 20 points by halftime. Like they they had Giannis had that huge run by himself. He comes off and then they just ran Middleton pick and roll. Uh and he just was I mean, he was cooking Simmons there for a little bit. He had those two threes, and then he had uh that other one where he kind of like did a a loop-de-loop in the middle of the floor and then dribbled out and then hit a little floater like those guys are just cooking in the second quarter and that 49 second that 49 point second quarter will will kind of stick out for a while uh anything else frank i think it's late enough that we don't need to i I think i think i don't know how short this podcast is probably maybe only short by our standards but um bucks fans enjoy it you've got a couple days until friday maybe a bit of a trap game against uh, the Wolves that the Bucks have just annihilated twice in the preseason. Um, so hopefully the Bucks don't get too fat and happy with themselves. But 
um, certainly a, a game worth uh, worth savoring, worth enjoying. And um, again, a team in Philly, they only play the Sixers th- three times this year. They get them once more at home in March and play in Philly to end the season uh, later in the season. Um, so you get that first win, you pick up another win, you got the tiebreaker against uh, a team that, you know, very yep. possible you're going to be neck and neck with um, later in the season, right? Um, so, hey, man, bank wins now. I mean, again, this is the time of year where you should just be kind of feeling out your your squad, getting your sense bearings of the new coaching staff. You know, the fact that the Bucks are playing at a, at a high level already, winning games um, with the top 10 offense, top 10 defense. Um, this is just a really, really fun team to watch. Giannis putting up monster numbers. Um by the way, Bled- I thought Bledsoe uh, on Redick in particular in the second half, running around screens. Yep. Um, Redick had a big first half. He was just one out of five in the second half. Bledsoe did a really nice job just uh, hounding him around screens. We, that block challenge he tonight. had? Oh, my God. That was a great block, yeah. Different challenge for him. And you, you wrote about you know him having to defend high pick and roll against point guards. Different challenge here, just more of just running off ball um, and having to stick with a guy in Redick who's just, I mean – a pro's pro at getting open. Um, he smoked Dante DiVincenzo um, uh, pretty bad in the first half. Welcome um, to the league, Rook. Yeah, exactly. And and really, the Bucks didn't and didn't really have a good answer for him um, in that first half. I think uh, what Redick had 19 points total. I think, um, but uh, kudos to Bledsoe playing well in that second half. Um, took too many mid-range jump shots um, for my taste. Yep. Uh, he ended up just six out of 18 from the field. Did hit two out of seven from three, um, eight rebounds, four assists. Um, by the way, he wasn't even credited with a blocked shot. He had one steal. What's going on there? Do I need to? Do I need to go do my do my thing and and? So did they? They called hit? what he did to Redick a steal. There, that's no way. That's a steal. That's a block. That was a man's block. I, Two hand a, rip it away from him. Oh, man, that was a that was a man's block I've ever saw. Yeah, I, I may you know normally I only really go out of my way to uh, try to flex <laughs> on the Bucks scorekeepers for Giannis stats, but um, I mean that play like if you're not giving Ridiculous. if you're not giving him a him a block for that, then what is a block shot at this point? So anyway, uh, shout out Eric Bledsoe <laughs> trying on defense. It's a uh, it's a fun thing to watch when uh, now that it's happening. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Frank, uh, you were worried about the length of this podcast. We still managed to go over 40 minutes because we can't do anything short, even uh, as we sit here, uh, tired as could be. So anything that we missed, we can we can pick up tomorrow. That'll be just fine. Uh, Bucks play again on Friday. They win tonight, 123-108 over the Philadelphia 76ers. Huge night from Yas Dedekumbo. His first triple-double of the season, 32 points, 18 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, First person to open a season with four straight 20. Well, what I'm trying to even think what the stat is. Was it 25? 25 and 15. Yeah, 25 and 15 since Will Chamberlain. That's just stupid. Um, But yeah, that's. Yeah, I was going to say Giannis's uh, season averages right now 28.5 points, 16.5 rebounds, 6.8 assists, 1.8 blocks. His season low for rebounds is 15. (laughs) <laughs> that's just ridiculous one more hey brooke lopez man he's boxing out only had one rebound today bucks have been really good defensive rebounding when he's on the court even though he's the consummate lopez brother <laughs> not getting any rebounds himself so um shout out to brooke lopez just being a good teammate that's it um all right that's gonna be it for us for tonight for frank man i'm eric name 
This has been Lockdown Bucks, brought to you by Vivid Seats. Head over there for L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's our promo code. You can use that to get $20 off your next purchase at Vivid Seats. Uh, any purchase over $200 or more. All right, that's going to be it. I'm going to sleep. See you guys tomorrow.